Live Spring number 83. Hey, I have gotten more email for this week's show than any previous show. It can all be put under the Ask Steve category, and it really goes with last week's show. Today, we're going to be talking about the Gospel of Judas. But first, let me just welcome you to the LifeSpring Show. My name is Steve Webb, and I am your host. Yeah, there has been a lot of discussion on the press on the radio, the television, of course on the TV with National Geographic, that august organization, (laughs) bringing uh, this to light in a big, big way. And even on the LifeSpring family um, forum, there's been quite a bit of discussion. So uh, that's going to be our topic today, the Gospel of Judas. But first... I'd like to bring a song to you. This is uh, Parlor Dames, and it's called This Isn't True. Keeping you alive while 
Tell me that Podsafe music is not as good as that RIAA stuff after hearing something like this. I'm telling you, we have got some of the best artists in podcasting right now. Uh, oh, man, that was a good, good song. And uh, <laughs> I have to say the message goes along real well <laughs> with the topic today. The Gospel of Judas. The email started with this one from a listener and now a contributor, Carlos Rivera. Carlos wrote, I was watching ABC's Prime Time and it reported that the National Geographic Channel will be showing the latest finding, the Gospel of Judas. Your comments, Steve? And then he said some other nice things. Uh, lastly, I love what you're doing for me and my soul. I'm a believer in Jesus, but I don't share my faith like I should. And then he goes on to ask me some questions. And Carlos, I want to thank you very much for the email. And uh, I gave you my answer on the sharing your faith thing in the email that I wrote back to you. But let me just share with the uh, the rest of the, the family here that um, we really do need to be bold. when When you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to share a word with somebody, if you hear a conversation around you about God, uh, that's God inviting you to get involved. So we'll just leave it at that for right now. But let's, let's talk about the gospel of Judas. After I got uh, Carlos's email, I got several others asking basically the same question. 
And there's even a thread now on the LifeSpring Family Forum that was started by Ed from the KC Weather Podcast, or I should say the Kent City <laughs> Weather Podcast. Ed, how you doing, brother? Anyway, uh, there are actually a couple of threads now. Um, so the, the, the interest is high. First, what we're going to do is talk a little bit about the Gospel of Judas, about what it is, and then we'll talk a little bit about the history surrounding it, and then we'll cover its implication for today's believers. First, what it is. The Gospel of Judas is a very old manuscript written on papyrus. The writing is in the ancient dialect of Egypt's Coptic Christian community. According to the sources I read today, and I spent a lot of lot of time today scouring the internets, looking for information on the Gospel of Judas. I started my study this weekend, and I spent several hours today reading and reading and reading, and you know, cross-referencing and back and forth and back and forth. But anyway, the um, the Gospel of Judas is 62 pages long, and it was uncovered in Egypt during the 1950s or 60s. Supposedly, it's moved through several different hands before coming into the possession of the National Geographic Society. There's even a lot of history right there, but we only have so much time here. Uh, So we'll continue. The author of the text is unknown, but carbon dating of this specimen has put the time of writing it somewhere in the neighborhood of between A.D. 220 and 340, or about two to three hundred years after the crucifixion of Jesus. In addition, it's known that the early Christian church scholar and Catholic saint Irenaeus referred to the Gospel of Judas as early as 180 A.D. And it's not exactly known how long before that year the Gospel of Judas was written. It's clear that the Gospel of Judas was almost certainly not Judas. The Gospel of Judas is what is known as a Gnostic Gospel. What is a Gnostic Gospel? Well, simply put, it is writing that puts forth Gnostic beliefs, which of course begs the question then, what are Gnostic beliefs? Well, in the interest of time, I'll make this as brief as possible, while at the same time, I'll try to explain as clearly as possible this very, very old belief system. The term Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. Now, we have several words in our English language that have that as its basis. Diagnosis is one, okay? Knowledge comes from that word gnosis. The Gnostics believed in attaining a special mystical or secret knowledge, which would then bring salvation. They drew a distinct line between the physical world, which in their view is evil, and the spiritual world, which is good. There are several types or levels of divine beings or gods in Gnosticism. The highest god cannot have anything to do with the earth or its creation since it is physical. A much lower type of divine being created the earth, according to the Gnostics. In Gnostic belief, Jesus is sort of an intermediate God. 
He's most certainly not the only begotten Son of the Father, the second person of the Trinity, and not the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's not the Word become flesh. Part of the Gnostic physical-spiritual dichotomy is that the physical body we all have is itself evil and should not be valued at all. It's merely the shell that houses the spirit, which is the real person. We are, in essence, imprisoned in our bodies. Again, in the interest of time, I'm not going to go, into, go off on a tangent here, but some light study in the Bible will show you that our bodies are more than just shells. We are to honor and care for our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, if we're believers. Okay, now some history. It's been said that the Gnostic Gospels were rejected by the early church because those in power decided that the teachings of these books, um, and I believe there's about 16 other Gnostic Gospels. Anyway, it's believed that um, the teachings of these books didn't support their political agenda. Okay, that what is that's what has been said about the establishment of the canon of Scripture or the books that we accept as being the um, inspired Word of God. Okay, critics have said that. All right. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. As I've already described, there's very little in common between what the Gnostics believed and what traditional Christianity teaches. It's a matter of what the message is as it relates to the person and the work of Jesus of Nazareth. You look at the the books that we have accepted as being scripture, and there's a harmony there. People say that the Bible contradicts itself. That's not true either when you understand scripture, when you study scripture well. The Bible does not contradict itself. Now, you can... Rise up and say, oh, Steve, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, I think I do. Um, I've studied the Bible since I was a teenager, and I'm now in my 50s. Um, I can tell you with a great deal of confidence that you can't show me any contradictions in the Bible that cannot be explained. So, uh, just let it be known that it is not a political um or a power grab that uh, the early church fathers were, um, were were pulling when they chose the books that were to be included in what we now accept as scripture. It was not political. They were looking at the harmony of the message. So... Some have said that the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are no more reliable than any of these other so-called Gospels that I talked about, the other 16 Gnostic Gospels. I could not disagree more. Reliable sources date the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as being written during the first century. That same cannot be said for any of the extra-canonical books as far as I know. And certainly this gospel of Judas cannot be traced back that far. As one scholar has said, the gospel of Judas is ancient, but not ancient enough. The Gnostics claim that one needs a special mystical secret knowledge. 
the Bible itself is clear that the reason for Scripture is to reveal who God is and how to know Him and how to come into relationship with Him. Jesus said, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Does that sound like a secret society to you? There seems to be something in human nature that uh, is fascinated by the secret, by the conspiratorial. There's nothing secret or conspiratorial about Scripture. God gave us Scripture to reveal himself to us through it. So what is the Gospel of Judas? Basically, it purports to tell a little bit about the earthly ministry of Jesus, a little about his relationship with the 12 disciples, his interpretation of a vision that they had, the human race, a vision that Judas had and Jesus' interpretation of that in which Jesus tells Judas that he, Judas, will rule. And then Jesus goes on to give Judas some secret knowledge about the spiritual realm. Jesus tells Judas how the cosmos came into being. And let me interject here that this account bears no resemblance whatever with the Genesis account. It reads more like an episode of the first generation of Star Trek than anything else. And then some names are given to some angelic rulers, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But anyway, then Jesus tells Judas about the creation of man, the destiny of humanity, and the destruction of the wicked, and a very glorious ending for Judas. Here, what I want to do right now is read some excerpts to you. You can download this from the National Geographic's website, by the way. And I encourage you to do it. The whole thing is only seven pages long. Because remember, even though it's, uh, what I say, 60-some pages originally, much of it has um, uh, decayed such that only certain sections could be um, written down or interpreted, translated. But um, let me just read a few little excerpts from the Gospel of Judas to kind of give you a taste, give you a flavor of what it is. In the very introduction, the very first sentence says, as by, you know, by way of introduction, the secret account of the revelation that Jesus spoke in conversation with Judas Iscariot during a week, three days before he celebrated Passover. Do you get that? It says in the very two, first two words, the secret account of the revelation. So that you know kind of raises a red flag right there. Oh, could be Gnosticism here. Secret knowledge. All right, I, I talked a little bit about the fact that uh, Gnostics believed in a separation between the, the physical and the spiritual and that we are um, imprisoned in this physical body of ours. Well, Jesus supposedly had the ability to separate himself from his body and take on the form of something else while he was here. Uh, it says, Often he did not appear to his disciples as himself, but he was found among them as a child. All right, now this is during the earthly ministry of Jesus. The Old Testament talks about um, angels coming in and giving messages, and, and scholars believe that some of these appearances of angels in the Old Testament were actually appearances of Jesus. But here, while he's on the earth, see, something that's very, very important 
to the Christian belief system is that while Jesus was here, he was 100% human at the same time being 100% God. But he was, in all accounts, a human being while he walked on the earth. In the section in the Gospel of Judas where I was talking about the 12 disciples, listen to this part. It says, When his disciples heard this, they started getting angry and infuriated and began blaspheming against him in their hearts. Now, does that jive at all with anything you've read in the New Testament? That's out of the characteristics of what we've read already in the New Testament. It goes on to say, When Jesus observed their lack of understanding, he said to them, Why has this agitation led you to anger? Your God who is within you, and and then there's some broken text, and then it says, have provoked you to anger within your souls. Let any one of you who is strong enough among human beings bring out the perfect human and stand before my face. They all said, we have the strength, but their spirits did not dare to stand before him except for Judas Iscariot. He was able to stand before him, but he could not look him in the eyes, and he turned his face away. Judas said to him, Okay, before I continue right there, does that little uh, scene sound like anything you've heard before in the New Testament in terms of um, a challenge like that? Can you see Jesus challenging the disciples to, hey, it almost sounds like, hey, if you're man enough, come stand here and challenge me. That doesn't sound like the way Jesus dealt with his disciples to me. Anyway, when Judas was standing before him, Judas said to Jesus, now back to the gospel of Judas here, I know who you are and where you have come from. You are from the immortal realm of Barbello. Huh? What? Does that sound like anything you have heard before in the Bible? Of course not. From the immortal realm of Barbello, and I am not worthy to utter the name of the one who has sent you. Okay. Now, knowing that Judas was reflecting upon something that was exalted, Jesus said to him, Step away from the others, and I shall tell you the mysteries of the kingdom. Okay, that sounds again like secret knowledge. Let's see, continuing here, For someone else will replace you in order that the twelve disciples may again come to completion with their God. That, again, doesn't sound like a phrase that we've heard before in the New Testament. Remember, when you're deciding if whether something is Scripture, it, you have to see if it harmonizes with the rest of Scripture. Listen to this. The next morning after this happened, and we're talking, this is, this is you know, right after this scene where Jesus was talking to Judas. It says, the next morning after this happened, Jesus appeared to his disciples again. They said to him, Master, where did you go and what did you do when you left us? Jesus said to them, I went to another great and holy generation. Huh? That sounds like something from perhaps the Book of Mormon, but it certainly doesn't sound like Scripture. And by the way, that's a whole other conversation that I don't care to get into right now. Uh, in terms of Mormonism. Uh, 
So let me see. Let's continue here. I'm going to skip a few pages. Uh, let's see. Judas asks about his own fate in this section. And Jesus answered and said, You will become the 13th, and you will be cursed by the other generations, and you will come to rule over them. In the last days they will curse your ascent to the holy generation. Now that is completely and totally against anything you've read before in the New Testament. Continuing on, let's skip another page here. I'm just grabbing some of the the parts that I can read, short little sections of. I'm not trying to cut anything out. Again, I encourage you to go download this and read it for yourself. All right, now Jesus is talking about some things that happen in the cosmos, in the rulers and the angels. And and Jesus is talking and he says, The twelve rulers spoke with the twelve angels. Let each of you, and then there's a break, and let him, and there's a break, generation, and then angels, and check this out. The first is Seth, who is called Christ. And we're talking about angels here. The first is Seth, who is called Christ. The second is Harmathoth, who is, and then it breaks. The third is Galila. The fourth is Yobel. The fifth is Adonaios. Adonaios? The fifth is Adonaios? Adonai is translated in the Old Testament as Lord. Adonai is one of the names of God. And then, of course, you heard the first is called Christ. The first is Seth, who is called Christ. Now, After this list, right after this list, in other words, in the very same thought, these are the five who ruled over the underworld and first of all over chaos. Wow. Okay. Then Saklas said to his angels, let us create a human being after the likeness and after the image. They fashioned Adam and his wife Eve, who is called in the cloud Zoe. Is this beginning? Are you beginning to understand why I said this sounds more like Star Trek than Scripture? Dropping down a ways that says, When Saklas completes the span of time assigned for him, what? Saklas is the one who just said, Let us create a human being after the likeness and after the image and they fashioned Adam and his wife Eve and then dropping down Jesus is talking about the destruction of the wicked with Judas and others and he says when Saklas completes the span of time assigned for him even if you wanted to give a little bit and say that okay um, another name for God is Saklas you cannot say that there is any way that a span of time can be assigned to Saklas if you believe that Saklas is the God of the Bible, which of course he's not. You can see why the early church fathers rejected this writing as scripture. (laughs) All right, now on the very last page here, Jesus speaks of those who are baptized and Judas' betrayal. And talking to Judas, Jesus says about Judas, but you will exceed all of them, for you will sacrifice the man that clothes me. See, what's what's happening here is it is said that Jesus 
told Judas to betray him. And that Judas, in betraying Jesus, was following Jesus' command. That's a twist on what the truth is. Jesus, of course, knew that Judas was going to betray him. But Jesus did not send Judas out to do his Jesus bidding by betraying him. Do you understand the difference? And then the last little section that I want to read read for you from the last page. Look, you have been told everything. Lift up your eyes and look at the cloud and the light within it and the stars surrounding it. The star that leads the way is your star. This is Jesus talking to Judas. Judas lifted up his eyes and saw the luminous cloud, and he entered it. Those standing on the ground heard a voice coming from the cloud, saying, and then it breaks, and it says, great generation, and then it breaks, an image, and then it breaks uh, again. So, it's amazing that anyone could say that Oh, no, this gospel of Judas is going to challenge the beliefs of the church. Um, It doesn't challenge my beliefs. And I'm sure that if you have any kind of biblical background at all, it won't challenge yours either. Please, I encourage you to download this and read it for yourself. If after you read it for yourself, you have any other questions, please feel free to write me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Now, I have to say that we've got some very, very bright people who listen to the show. And now that the Lifespring Family Forum is up, we get to see just how smart you are. And as I said earlier, there's a thread about the Gospel of Judas, and I'd like to share something that was written by M. Crispin on the forum. It's a little bit long, but it's really very, very good. And I want to read what uh, M. Crispin has to say. He said, let me set some groundwork before I respond, because I have a less than popular position on these documents. Number one, I believe through faith that the Bible as we have it today is the inspired and infallible divine word of God. I agree with you there. Please note the faith position. Without it, the Bible is nothing more than a phenomenally accurate historical document. Faith proved by truth as found in the Word is the evidence that I need, not archaeology or a two-hour documentary on the Discovery Channel. Subpoint: God guided the translations and inspired the translators. I agree with that. Second point. God had a clear hand in what texts were included in what we now call the Bible. And I agree with that as well. Point number two, he continues, he says, I also believe that any rational understanding of the Gospels must take into account the basis and context of where the Jews managed to land. Despite their clear diversion from the true laws of God, the political and social anthropology of the, of the Roman influence over the Middle East. That's a long way to say that the history is important in understanding much of what Jesus and the disciples said and did. And I agree with that too, M. Crispin. Absolutely. So far you haven't said anything that I disagree with or that I even consider to be controversial. 
but I'm maybe just a little bit, um, just a half a step out of the mainstream too. I, I don't know. Let me continue. The Gnostic Gospels are very interesting texts, but clear fabrications. Gnostics attempted to merge the mysticism of the Egyptians and Greek religions with the concept of man becoming God, and they ultimately failed to make a meaningful impact on the world. If you want a glaring example of how to take a truth and pervert it into a lie, (laughs) take any of the Gospels and look at them through the lens of your faith and the Scripture. They quickly fall apart. I agree with that as well. This is a very well-written post on the forum, don't you think? Let me go on. Consider also that there is no evidence that the Gnostics predate 200 years after Christ's death. While the authors were familiar with the Christ story, they tend to diverge greatly under the guise of special knowledge, another Greek ideal that matches oracle cults more closely than anything. Special knowledge conflicts against each other from story to story. Yet, the laws and commands of God are consistent and based on truth. Yes, that's true. Good statement. Let's continue. The focus in the Gospels of the special knowledge over the teachings of Christ should be another flag. I agree with that too. Now, he continues. He says, Armed with an understanding of Scripture... The Gnostic Gospels present no more threat to Christianity and the truth than does Star Trek. There's that Star Trek um, illusion again. Evangelicals are particularly quick to stand up and shout about stuff like this and rail, which gives more credence to those texts than they deserve. Now there, I also agree with you, M. Crispin. So many times, something will come up and and uh, as you say, evangelicals often stand up and and you know create a big furor, and it isn't needed, and it does bring more attention. And that, of course, is what's going on here in a certain way too. What with um, uh, the uh, oh, shucks, the Da Vinci Code and and the Jesus Papers that I talked about last week, and this. Uh, anyway, let, let me continue. The books provide an additional historic view of life as an early Christian and another lens of the challenges that Christianity faced as it grew throughout the Roman Empire without a cohesive organization or liturgy to draw from. Let me see. I might differ from you just a tiny bit there. View of life as an early Christian. I... If if you wanted to find them as Christians, I, I could say perhaps... So, Gnostics posing as Christians took advantage of the wave, likely to their financial benefits, and started more cults. That's a possibility, too. And Crispin continues, he says, And while we may now diverge our theology from the Catholics, we owe them a huge debt as the preservers and defenders of the Scripture. Yes, I agree with that as well. Yes, because it was the what was to become the Roman Catholic Church that actually did work on bringing together what we now call the canon of Scripture. I agree with you there. He continues, something else to consider, and I don't study Bible prophecy much, but it's clear that old lies are going to surface and be declared as truth Uh, to refute the truth as we get nearer to Christ's second coming. 
Yes, I've been saying that too for some time. He continues, he says, The more access scientists and archaeologists have to the Middle East, the more we, we will see this kind of thing. Middle East peace means that science has open access to all of the so-called secrets of the cradle of civilization, all remade in the image of finite man and carrying the bias and agendas of those who don't believe. Remember the Pharisees and how they kept trying to trip up Jesus with trick questions? It's kind of the same thing. Science doesn't like to be one-upped by God, so we will see more and more evidence to refute the scriptures and prove that God is just a chemical in our brain or a strand of DNA. Anything but someone that will stand in righteous judgment over us. The lens of science is flawed because it is based on relative truth translated by mankind. The lens of scripture is infallible. Excellent. Excellent post, M. Crispin. Excellent. Good stuff. I, As a matter of fact, I'm going to let that be the final word on the subject today. Please, feel free to add your thoughts on the forum. Just go to the show notes page and look for the forum icon in the right-hand column. And now, for a very accurate portrayal of Jesus... Here is our good friend, Waba.
Go. 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 Hi, GoDaddy's the source for domain names, you know. Web hosting and some fantastic tools for maximizing your internet presence, me bucko. Steve Webb has been a customer of GoDaddy for years, he has. And he's not made them walk the plank yet. And here be some good advice to ye. Use one of the Lifespring discount codes when you buy from GoDaddy. For instance, when you buy more than 30 doubloons, uh, dollars, for GoDaddy services, enter code LS2 and save five dollars. For all the codes, sail on by their show notes website at lifespringpodcast.com. Steve will be thanking you for the support. And last, some of our listeners are just a little sadistic. Steve Gray sent this to me recently. (laughs) I don't know what this means. He said, some people are like slinkies. They don't do much. But you can't help smiling when you push them down the stairs. (laughs) Well, you know what I said all last, but there's one more. You may remember that I answered a question on the book of Job several episodes back as an Ask Steve segment. Well, a few weeks after I did the show, I got a response from the guy who asked the uh, the, (laughs) original... I got a response from the guy who asked the original question. Let's listen. Hi, Steve. It's Russ. Hey, Russ. Hope you don't mind an audio message. My typing is uh, slower than my speaking, and I've been very uh, time-compressed lately. No, I love it. Uh, The last few weeks have been incredibly busy for me. Uh, My car died, and I've replaced it uh, two weeks ago. I hate when that happens. Uh, I've been working some overtime and uh, spending a lot of time with my children when I'm not working. That's a good thing. So there's been very little time to keep up with email traffic. I apologize for for not being in touch as regularly as I used to. No problem. also managed to fall about a week behind on listening to podcasts. Uh-oh. I listened to uh, number 72 about a week after it was released and just finally caught up with everything today, uh, okay. listening to number 74. And in typical fashion, Steve, you've been brilliant. Oh, Your answers to, uh, to my questions about Job and uh, why bad things happen to good people were very reassuring and spot on. Oh, I'm uh, glad they were absolutely reassuring. absolutely nailed it and uh, done it in a, a brilliant way. Thank you. And... Uh, Podcast 74 was, was equally brilliant. Uh, 73, I forgot. I listened to I'm blushing. I got distracted, I guess. I don't <laughs> recall. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'll have to re-listen to it. That's all right. Anyway, just want to let you know that things are well here. I'm glad. Uh, you know, despite the ups and downs of life, yep. uh, the, the Lord is uh, definitely uh, by my side helping me through it all. Good. He is. And, uh, God is good I got all through the, the book of Job. It took me a bit longer than I thought it would. But a lot uh, there. I read it and very carefully read it. And Good. What an what an amazing story! I mm-hmm. can't believe I wasn't taught that as a child in uh, in the Catholic schools I attended. Mm. They, they just breezed through Genesis and uh, moved on to uh, Acts and mm. <clears throat> excuse me, everything in between was left to uh, just left out as uh, something to learn later. Well, it's at a least shame you learned it because uh, Job is incredible stuff, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to read it. Yes. What really struck me the most was uh, Job 42.10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. And catch that? The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. Mm. There's a lesson in there. Yeah. I haven't fully absorbed it, but uh, that line didn't escape my attention. That's very good. Uh, I think there's something in there that I need to carry through life with me. All of us. Anyway... <clears throat> Excuse me. I just wanted to touch base and 
uh, let you know that things are well here. Well, thank you, Russ. Thank you very much for the podcast, Steve. Thank you. Uh, God bless you, Steve. Take care. You too. Thank you, Russ. As always, show notes are at lifespringpodcast.com. Go check them out. Don't forget the brand new forum and go on over there and start up or join in a conversation. Of course, you can write to me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com or you can call me on the comment line at 206-350-CALL. And I do encourage you to go by lifespringpodcast.com and check that out. I've made some changes over there. Every show has its own show notes page, which means, of course, that you can subscribe to each individual show individually uh, in case you don't like getting everything coming down the same single feed that we've had here to date. Obviously, the Sunday show, the sermon show is on its own feed, uh, but I'm now splitting all the feeds off and you can pick and choose. Now, I will continue this feed with all the other shows in one feed, but if you you know want to separate them, I've done that for you. Music today was Parlor Dames and Waba. Check out all the music links at LifespringPodcast.com. And I'm also going to have some links there to more information on the Gospel of Judas if you are interested in doing some follow-up. Remember, Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your station in life. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. I'm Steve Webb, and I'm your host, and I'll see you next time. God bless you. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast.